Hello and welcome to the PR Department Podcast. You're through to your host, Katie Braden, and this is episode 40. I just looked up which episode we're on as I do every time before I record and I just had a little moment of how did we get to episode 40? How have I recorded or produced enough content for 40 episodes? I don't know, but we're here. Um, So today's episode is going to be all about contracts. Um, And this is something that to me is really, really second nature. Like I deal with contracts a lot for myself, for my own business, sort of between me and clients. And then I also deal with contracts that are exchanged um, for my clients for you know UGC content creation or influencers and then I also see how like agents deal with contracts from an influencer side so I feel like I see a lot of sides of this coin when it comes to the exchange of contracts and I know from dealing with contracts and also from speaking to people in my industry influencers um press etc even people who work in other departments for my clients um, people's different attitudes towards contracts and how they approach them so I think it, it would be a great idea for me to start off by saying that obviously I am not a solicitor I'm not a legal advisor um, I am a PR and that is how I'm going to be approaching today's episode so it's definitely from a PR perspective as we do here over at the PR department podcast um, it's always from a PR perspective so whilst I can give my opinion on the legality legalities of contracts this isn't legal advice so take that as you will um I think it's also important to say that I really heavily um, rely on contracts. Like my personal opinion is that contracts are really vitally important and there becomes a stage in any relationship where you cannot move forward unless there is a contract. Like all conversations stop all moving parts stop until that contract is done and defined. Um, And I know that seems really obvious, but I've been in more, more times than not, I've been in situations where contracts are disregarded and people are willing to just like, oh, it's just like a formality, like we'll sort it out at least date. Like, no, the contract has to be done before you move um so I think it's really important to say that because it's important for you to understand my view on contracts before I give my opinion on it um so I would always say that with any relationship so whether it's between me and a client a client and an influencer an agent and an influencer an influencer and a brand whatever way around it is the contract should be your bible to that relationship so it should be your list of rules like I'm not religious but the bible is a really good um, anecdote (laughs) so (laughs) we'll we'll go with this um so the bible obviously has a set of rules by which Christians need to live their lives um that is your contract. The contract sets out the rules in which A, you conduct yourself, B, you 
move through the work as you do it. Um, it has everything that you should need to know about that piece of work. Like, I always feel a little bit annoyed when especially like agents who really should know better come to me with questions that I know full well is in that contract like for example an agent can email me and say hi um can you just remind me the delivery dates for this content and in my head I'm like do we not have a contract like you could literally just look at the contract like obviously I don't mind people asking me questions that's not the point I'm making here the point I'm making is that your contract should have everything that you should need to know pre, mid and post relationship. So this was something that I was talking to a friend about the other day that your contract should be your guide throughout everything. As you're going into the relationship, it should have everything you need to know. When you're conducting yourselves in the relationship, whatever work you're carrying out, it should have everything that you need to know. And then when that relationship comes to an end and you're looking to move on, you're looking to leave, your contract is also still your guide. So, you know, that contract should also state how you get out of that relationship and what you do afterwards. And if that contract is missing things, in my opinion, when you have missed things in contracts, that is when relationships turn sour because that is where you're just opening up space for miscommunication by doing that. Um, And by having holes in a contract, not only are you not protected, it just means that there are parts of this relationship that maybe even if they have been discussed have not been agreed. Um, So you're agreeing them whilst you're doing them, which is never a good place to be. Like you shouldn't be figuring out things when you're in it. It should be you figure it out and then you roll and then you roll with it, you know. So I thought today it would be helpful for me to run through like some things that I include in my contracts that again I thought was sort of second is second nature to me but I know a lot of people don't think about these things so I'm going to run through some stuff that I would really heavily advise you have in your contracts um and also you know how you should conduct yourselves with these contracts in terms of making sure that what you need and want is included in that contract so first things first the first thing that should always be in your contract is obviously a description of the service that you are going to provide like what is the contract floor so for me as a PR um I will include a service list um But by the time we get to a contract stage, that service list should already be agreed. Like when, um, so coming out of that topic a little bit, when I price work, um, I don't have like a one and done fee. It's not like, oh, you pay me X amount of money and I do this amount of work. Like it never works like that. Every single client that I have, obviously I have certain rates that I will charge for certain things, but everything is custom built. Um, I also basically do different jobs for every single one of my clients so therefore they all have different fees Um, and even if they have the same fees sometimes it's for different things. So the first thing that I have to do when I'm bringing in new business for this specific example I'll talk you through it um, 
I have the initial chat with the client, figure out what they want. I then come up with a list of things that I think that they can benefit from. We then go through together and see if they can afford that full list of things. Um, Because obviously... I work with predominantly founder-owned smaller companies and a lot of the time they're trying to make a small budget go a long way. So at that point, there will usually be some editing of what we need to prioritize versus what we don't or what they'd like to add at a later date, whatever it is. Um, And they like to get my opinion as well on what services should be included and what's going to get them the most bang for their buck, basically. So that's what happens there. Um, So then that's when we decide on a service list. um, And from that service list when they see that contract there should be no surprises on that service list because that service list was prior agreed and it should literally just be dropped into the contract um so I literally don't judge it up or anything from the emails that we've had in correspondence like I will literally take the service list and I will format it and just put it into the contract um this also works when it comes to like influencer campaigns um sometimes this is a little bit different because sometimes you don't get that sort of initial conversation and that initial negotiation when it comes to a brief however you do agree on certain things like for example by the time an influencer gets a contract if they're doing some work for a brand they'll know that they've agreed a fee for example like one reel and three stories so that will be in this that's your service list essentially um you know you know you're going to be doing one reel and three stories if that contract comes back and they've got four reels and six stories then obviously like you know the com- the conversation's gone wrong somewhere so you should be expecting that service list to look like what you have agreed previously where it can get a little bit jazzy with influencer contact uh, contracts is the creative brief so nine times out of ten I like to share the creative brief before they see the contract because obviously they're agreeing to a creative job so they need to know if they want to do the creative brief or if the creative brief resonates with them before they see the contract but sometimes that creative brief is just plopped into the contract and then you negotiate but before the contract is signed obviously the creative brief um, the amount of things that you're doing, basically what what you are doing, that is the crux of that point of the contract. That should all be agreed before the contract is signed. Um, and it really is within everybody's interest to make sure that everything is covered there. Like even, like for example, going back to my contracts, like it's very obvious if you've worked with a PR or you know how this works, that you would run something called press office. So what press office means is if a journalist needs a sample or images or credits or anything they need to feature a brand, they come to me and they ask, can I have this sample, this high res image and this credit? Press office then means that I fulfill that request. Um, So you are their press office essentially. So when you see like a press contact on a website, that is the person who's running press office. Um, but that still needs to be in the service list because even though, you know, all these jazzy things like X amount of press releases a month and, you know, X amount of influences and this, that and the other, you still need to cover the bread and butter because the bread and butter still needs to be stated. Um, so even when it's boring, it has to be in there. Um, so make sure everybody's backs are covered. Um because and the reason why especially from my perspective and influencers perspective when we do this if anybody's ever not happy with something the contract is what we come back to so I've had it in the past where a client has withheld payment um 
And the real reason was because they couldn't afford to pay it. But the reason that they gave me was that I hadn't fulfilled the service list. Um, and at that point, we get out the contract and we say, okay, then what what service was not fulfilled? Um, because, you know, it's all there in black and white. And of course, that wasn't the reason and services had been filled and it was just it was just a strange exchange but that contract is there as that foundation and when you are sort of in a place of essentially war that is your middle ground you know your contract is Switzerland like it's a completely unbiased document that everybody can reference and say right this is what was said so it's almost like a third person I would say in a relationship. So the next thing um, that's in my contract is fees and expenses. So this is so obvious, but you would not believe the amount of contracts I've seen where the fee is not in the contract. And I just think like, why? (laughs) It's just so strange. Um, So I have a full breakdown of like, this is how much you're going to pay me per month. Um, And then I know sometimes there is like, Uh, a clause so like after six months or after a year that fee is then negotiable which is totally normal in any long-term relationship so in mine it'll be like one to six months is at this fee and then six months onwards is negotiated at the end of month month six and even if that fee never changes that's fine but that clause is in there so that you can if you want to renegotiate that, that that at that point and that's a negotiation for both sides so it's not just for me it's for also for the client so if the client gets six months in and they think oh we want to add some services or we want to take away some services or whatever it is or we don't feel like we're getting value here whatever it is that is the point where you can renegotiate but this is another thing so when you're in a long-term relationship which a lot of PRs are and you're charging your retainer month a month a month you your client can't just turn around and say oh, I want to change that service now and I want to change that fee now, like out of nowhere. It's Your contract is basically saying you've committed from month one to month six at this fee. That is what we're doing. Like there's no movement on that. This is what we've agreed to. And I would also say as well, a six-month clause is very, very small. And the only reason why I do this is because I work with small brands and founder-owned businesses in an ideal world and I actually have a friend a very dear friend who's now retired who she would not ever do a six-month break clause she would always do a two-year break clause and a lot of agencies do this as well where they'll have a full 12 months set on one retainer so basically slightly off topic here but I feel like it's really important to say a lot of people don't understand what a retainer is So a retainer is essentially saying, I am planning to pay this person X amount of money, which is a large sum of money. And then what you're doing with your retainer is you're splitting that over month by month by month by month. So instead of paying you 20k, they're paying you 20k over 12 months. You know what I'm saying? So when you're signing that contract and you're starting that relationship your sort of break clause so how long this contract is going to run before there can be a renegotiation that is the amount of money you are initially committing to so I've had a client in the past where they've had a six-month break clause and they've wanted to end that after month two and the reason being was that they felt like they paid a lot of money 
So I come back to the contract and I say, whoa, 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 we agreed for six months you were going to pay this monthly fee. So that is what is agreed. You can't then decide two months in like, oh, I don't have the budget for this. Like you should have budgeted for the six months and you shouldn't be budgeting month on month on month. And I've said this before in content that I've made um, targeting brands to say, when are you ready for PR? And when you're ready for PR is when you can commit to that budget because if you run out of money or you can't afford it, it's kind of like that this kind of no point because PR especially the organic stuff that we do is a lot about building relationships and also building momentum so if you can't commit to at least at least six months on the fee that you agreed there's you're not ready you know um so yeah that that break clause is is really important and that is sort of outlined when you are outlining your fee you know you are saying in this contract Um, I am committed to paying this person X amount of money. Um, And that is then obviously broken down through the retainer. So yeah. Um, And then another thing that comes up in the fees section of the contract is your expenses. And this is really important to say because this is one that will be negotiated and pushed back on time and time again. So I have a really clear clause in my contract that says that any expenses that I have in um, connection to my work they will be charged to the client but it's not going to be like oh surprise here's my invoice with all my expenses all those expenses will be signed off ahead of time so the, the client knows they're coming so for example a big part of PR is obviously sending out packages um, and dependent you know again I have different systems with different clients but If I am sending those packages out from here, obviously I am going to have um, postage and packaging um, expenses. So the client will agree to pay those and they can also agree to cap those. Like for example, we agree to spend £250 on postage and packaging every month. So then if I go over that, that's on me. But it just means that everybody, nobody gets any surprises. And this is the whole point of a contract as well nobody should get an invoice or nobody should be in a situation where possible where they're surprised because everything should be in this contract they should know how each situation is going to run and there sh- in an ideal world there shouldn't be any confusion um you know if i have to travel for work it's an expense um you know but obviously the, i don't just buy plane tickets and then pop them on an invoice like that's something that a client will sign off for in advance and usually give me a budget for like you know i'm not booking business class <laughs> like i've got a budget or whatever um and that is an ongoing conversation but you really need to include that because otherwise um you know your your clients just won't they won't pay it unless it's previously agreed um like I've had it before where a client uh, has wanted me to come somewhere for a meeting and I've said okay perfect can you pay for my travel and they were shocked by that and it's like well no that's a that's an expense like I shouldn't have to incur a travel cost um you know to come and meet you at the place of your choosing um when it's really unnecessary like we could just do a call or we could be over zoom or we could meet somewhere that's more convenient so that is you know that's an expense it's not you're not asking too much by having your expenses paid especially when it comes to work like I always think like in corporate companies some people have cars like they have whole cars why am I crying about a train ticket (laughs) so (laughs) that's a really important um thing to include in that section 
Another thing that I I don't have in my contracts personally, but it's something that I've spoken to other people about that I think is really interesting. Um, I had a conversation, I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but it was one of my PR friends and it was a few years ago. I remember we had the conversation during lockdown and they said when it comes to things, when it comes to buying things on behalf of clients. So for example, if I am doing an event and I have to buy, I don't know, tablecloths, right? Off the top of my head. Um, this person was saying that they would put that on the invoice, but then they would charge um, 10%. So that 10% is basically like their fee for buying it when like the client should have bought it basically. So you're being charged interest essentially, um, which I think is like super interesting and also really smart because you shouldn't ever really be buying things for clients unless it's pre-agreed, like postage and packaging, for example, like if I was doing an event and tablecloths need to be bought, like I would expect the client to buy those or provide those, you know, but in the situation where you would have to jump in and buy them yourself, they add a 10%. Um, So obviously if you are going to do that, that needs to be included in your contract. But I thought that was a really interesting concept. So if you're a company that does events often, that's maybe one to think about. The next part of the contract that I'm going to talk about is billing. So when you've decided how much you're going to charge, um, you then have to lay out how you're going to charge it. Um, And that's this is really important because and I'm going to say this about every single damn part of this contract. This is really important. It's all important. Um, But people there's a lot of discourse um, around payment terms and everyone just assumes that you have to do payment terms in a certain way. So a lot of my freelance friends, they have, you know, 30 day payment clauses. Um, Brands, a lot of the time, as standard, will have a 30 day payment clause. Um, Some have 60, some have 90. It's wild out there, kids. Um, You only have to go on like freelancer Twitter for five minutes to see the discourse around like people not being paid or people being paid on these like crazy long, like, clauses it's wild um all of my invoices are payment on receipt um and what that means is when I issue the invoice it needs to be paid within 10 days and if it's not paid within 10 days um then it's seen as you know it's it's outstanding um and everybody I speak to who is either in PR or a freelancer in general is always really shocked by that and they're like how can you do that And the reason why I can do that is because when I do my contracts and when I am at the point where I can negotiate these things with a client and get them agreed in writing, I do so. So all of my contracts will state that that is how I bill and that is how I expect to be paid. And I have never once had a problem with it. Like I've never once had a client come back and say, oh, we don't do those payment terms or we can't do those payment terms. Um, I've never, ever had a problem with it. Um, I've just said, this is how I need to be paid. And that's the end of it, like, really. Um, So I always am so surprised when I hear people say like, oh, you know, this 30-day thing is so annoying. It's like, well, why did you agree to that then? Like, don't, don't put 30 days in your contracts. Like, if I was an influencer and I was working with these brands... 
when I received a contract that said you will be paid within 30 days, I would push back on that every time. Like you're not going to win every time. Like not every brand is going to agree to a payment on receipt system, but you can try. Like that is your time to ask and you can ask. Um, You know, you don't have to do what is stated in a contract. When you're negotiating a contract, that is the time where you can change the terms. And that is one that I would change every time because there is no way I'm waiting 30 days to get paid. Also, if you're getting paid on a retainer, like I am, by the time you're expecting one invoice to come in, another invoice is due. So you're going to get backed up really quickly if someone, for whatever reason, doesn't pay their invoice, at least with payment on receipt like the way that I do it so I'll just tell you exactly how I do it um I send out my invoices around the 25th of the month um so then 10 days after takes me to just into the next month so if there's any like you know if anyone can't pay or whatever they've got like two to three weeks to get it sorted before that next invoice comes through um and I can monitor that situation because with a client I never go over two months in arrears. So if somebody doesn't pay their contract for one month, uh, sorry, pay their invoice for one month and then they don't pay the next month, I pause their um, their contract and then we go into termination talks. Um, and I know this sounds so like disgustingly obvious, but I've literally worked in agencies where some clients haven't paid their bill for like 10 months and then they're like 10 months in arrears and then it's literally resulted in like, people getting fired and people being made redundant over it because they've let it go on for too long but they're still fully servicing the client and when I saw this happening I was like this is wild like this is so unnecessary and so wild um so yeah that's just how I do things um hopefully that's helpful okay so then you have a really boring bit which is um exclusivity which basically means like as a PR if you're working with me you can't work with other PRs (laughs) obviously but I've literally had that happen to me before like where a brand thought that it was okay to work with like multiple PRs and I know that sounds so silly but to somebody who's never worked with PRs before like who's to tell them that that's not okay my exclusivity clause that's who's to tell them so anyway on to the next part the next part is really PR specific but it is so crucial and that is the responsibilities of the client and this actually works with any contract but I would say in PR it is really really important take a shot every time I say it's really important and you will be absolutely on your merry way by the end of this podcast um so the responsibilities of the client this bit is all about if you don't help me I can't help you Like there are certain things that a client needs to do in order for me to do my job. And if they don't do those things, I cannot fulfill, going back to the beginning, that services we agreed on. And especially in a PR relationship, it's a two-way street. It is a very much like it takes two to tango. Like I cannot pull PR out of the sky. And I know any PRs out there will 100% agree with me here you it is well you can but it's extremely hard to PR when you don't have ongoing um communication with your client um or you don't have the ability to create assets with your client so the responsibilities of the client it it nine times out of ten 
is the downfall of a relationship when the client is not giving what they're supposed to give. Um, and that's why it's so important to have in your contract because they cannot come back and say, oh, well, you haven't been doing X, Y, and Z from your service list. You can then turn around and say, well, I haven't been doing X, Y, and Z because you haven't been doing X, Y, and Z. You know, it's it's a dual responsibility. And if one side fails, the other side will inevitably fail. Um, so yeah, that is a, a, it needs to be in your contracts. Like I really cannot stress it enough. Like the fact that it's common sense is not enough. The next one, guess what? It's really important. <laughs> I can't cope with myself. Um, the next one is uh, ownership. I couldn't even remember what I was going to say then. I literally just read it. Um, ownership of materials. And this is really important to anybody. Oh my God, really important. Seriously, girl. Um, it's like when people do hauls and they call everything cute. This is my equivalent. We talk about contracts and we say everything's really important. Um, so this is vital. <laughs> yes, thesaurus to anybody who handles or produces content which could be anybody really um ownership of materials basically states like what you can do with this content um and that is whilst the relationship is in full swing and everybody's happy and that's also when we fall out of love and we're not in a relationship anymore um i actually have in my contract that my clients can't use my materials um, after I'm gone, which is a real grey area. And I've tried as as hard as I try. You, it's it's really hard to define in a contract because it comes down to the material itself. Like for example, if I create a template for something for my client. Obviously, they can't then pass on that template to the next PR person and say like, oh, this is the template Katie made. Like, no, obviously, that's mine. Like, you cannot use that. But then when it comes to things like I've been involved with so many creative campaigns over the years, like, am I then going to sue the company for using that campaign because I'm not working there anymore? Like, because like legally, I, I probably could um, because I do have a level of ownership over that material. But it just comes down to are you a dickhead or not you know like that there is and that comes from both sides you know am I a dickhead or is the client a dickhead like it's both sides because there is a line that I will draw um like for example I won't have people using like my templates my databases you know like my documents that I've made from scratch like for the client you like no way you cannot use those like absolutely not um but when it comes to you know like campaigns and content and social media stuff and whatever like you know it's fine like it was the stuff that I produced when I was there and it lives on you know regardless of whether I'm there or not so like, this one is a gray area and it doesn't matter how much you try and um pin it down unless you have like specific examples it's never going to be like fully fully black and white but it's still good to include okay so the next one um is termination um so termination is can be really great I've had loads of terminations that have actually been quite lovely um and you know everybody stayed friends and it's been very amicable and it's great and relationships absolutely can end like that 
um, you know, you can be friends with your ex-clients. I'm friends with lots of them. I stay in touch with lots of them and I still champion them all and they champion me. And it's really lovely. And it's a really good example of when everybody is kind and, you know, plays by the rules and isn't trying to like mess around or be snaky, you know, we can end a working relationship and carry on a different relationship. It's all good. Um, But even in those really rosy times, the contract is what makes those situations rosy because it takes the decision making out of everything. And when it is time to terminate, both sides know exactly where they stand and how they're going to step by step themselves out of this relationship in a really amicable way. Um, You know, something as simple as um, giving 30 days notice, giving notice in writing, making sure that you give, for example, your PR enough time to do a handover properly, Um, you know, making sure that you give them time to fill your space if they need to. Like some people have enough money to get them through the month and if they lose one client, they need time to fill it. And I think that's only fair, um, you know, in that sort of working exchange. Um, But then obviously I have had times where I've had really nasty terminations and they are horrible. Like there is nothing worse than going through a really, really bad breakup when it comes to a working relationship. Um, And I really, truly believe that there is never, ever any excuse to have a really toxic, horrible breakup because there's really no need for it. There's no need at all. Like, even if someone has got no reason as to why they don't want to work with you anymore, they can still do it in a polite, kind way and giving you the appropriate notice. Like, it's really as simple as that. And the termination clause is there for that reason, is to step-by-step you out of it without there being horrible, toxic arguments and fighting. There should never be fighting because you've agreed how you're going to terminate before you've even started, you know? But in those horrible, horrible times where I have had really sticky terminations the thing that has got me through and protected me time and time again is my contract and that is why you have to get it right and you have to get it right at the start um you know I so this is no secret um I tell everybody about it because another thing similar to what I was saying about the 30-day payment clause I see discourse online all the time about people not getting paid Um, and I personally um, work with a freelance bailiff Um, so if I don't get paid past a certain point um, and I feel like I've done everything I can to figure out what's going on like giving them ample opportunity like try to figure out you know even if it's like if they need to pay in installments whatever it is like I've done my best to figure it out. I hand it over to my freelance bailiff and what he does is then start like legal wheels in motion. Um, And for me, uh, obviously I don't work with him full time. I literally bring him in like when I absolutely have to, like when we're in the trenches. Like when he gets a phone call from me, he answers the phone, he doesn't say hello and he says, who owes you money? Because that's literally the only reason I would be bringing him in. And some people say, oh, I feel bad why do you feel bad? Like, why would you feel bad in collecting money that is owed to you? Like, the person who owes you the money should feel bad, you know? Like, there's this terrible, terrible discourse that freelancers just, like, they just take whatever's thrown at them, and if someone decides not to pay them, they just take it. Like, absolutely not. Like, you've agreed to pay me 
a certain amount you've broken that like you've broken that I've not broken that um and now you expect me to feel bad for not getting paid the money that you said you were going to pay me for doing the work that I've already done like what that's the way I view it anyway like I I'm aware that not many people share my views but that's for me that's that like if you're not going to pay me and you're not going to tell me why or we can't figure it out then it has to go down the legal route like this isn't a charity and we're not we're not doing this out of friendship we're doing this as work um there's an exchange and also hello topic of the episode there's contracts in place so everyone knows where they stand at all times um so yeah every single time that I've had to unfortunately set those wheels in motion obviously the first thing that we look at legally is the contract and we look at factually has this contract has this contract been broken have I not delivered what is the evidence have they not delivered what is the evidence it then goes into like very black and white very fact and fiction so that's why your contract has to be airtight because in those awful and rare situations where you do have to look at it as a legal document which it is it needs to stand up um so this is another piece of advice that I wanted to give um and it's how I've done it obviously me not being a legal person you think oh well how do I how do I write up this contract um I would work initially with a legal person to do this like a solicitor because if you get the contract done right once nine times out of ten you can do it yourself moving forward like I have certain parts of my contract for example like the service the fee blah 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 you know the bits that are subject to change I can change those myself but the basis of the contract that is going to be the same with every single client every single person that should be done by a solicitor first so if you do get into sticky situations it is a legally binding document it's not just your will and wishes on a piece of paper you know So there we have it. That is a rundown of basically all the things I think need to be included in a contract at minimum. Um, And one thing I really, really, really want to hammer home is no work should be done at all until a contract is signed. Like the amount of horror stories I have seen with freelancers, like getting really excited starting work they've been working on a brand for say like two or three months and then all of a sudden the brand just like decides to like not pay them or just like fire them really suddenly and my first question is well what about the contract and they said oh they haven't signed it yet it's like well why on earth were you working if the contract wasn't signed and I think that is really understandable from both sides like before you enter into a working relationship you have to understand like where the boundaries are like what you are getting yourself into from both sides like brands need to be protected PRs need to be protected freelancers need to be protected influencers agents everyone has to be protected and that protection comes from your contract um so yeah it's been quite a long episode I hope I have held your attention and I hope that maybe you've learned some things or you know have reevaluated some things that you thought you knew about your contracts and how you sort of run that side of a business whether you are a PR freelancer or just someone who's interested in the behind the scenes um so yeah that is everything from me um and I will see you in the next one